Let us take a moment for centering prayer. Lord God, we give thanks for this morning, gathering together, and this opportunity to worship you. I ask that you guide the words of my mouth by a true meditation of the heart guided by your Holy Spirit. Amen. So it has been a great pleasure to have preached for you for the last couple months. It is a fun time um, exploring and going to different churches throughout our synod to meet different people, see how churches worship, and to truly be able to just um, get to know people in different ways. Sometimes I feel like the faces that I see I've seen it at other churches as well. It's kind of funny. It's like, hey, have I seen you at another church before? And maybe not. I think it's our spirits connecting. I am so excited to hear that you have called your next pastor, Pastor Janet. And I just am going to be holding all of you in prayer as you move forward, trusting in God's path for you ahead, knowing that God has a beautiful one for all of you. Let us move forward. For the last seven weeks of the lectionary readings, our churches have had set readings for Sunday, working its ways through the Gospel of Luke. And this will continue through the end of our lectionary year in November. I encourage you now to make note of where in the Gospel of Luke we have been so that you will know where we are going. See, the Gospel of Luke is great at showing us where we have been so that we can know where we are going. As I reflected over the passages from the weeks I've preached for, for each of you, I've noticed a theme of trust continually coming up, which is the, the theme of today's sermon. Keep trusting in God. Luke shows us where we have been and where we are going by intimately weaving many stories together that have a basis in the life grounding force that trust in God provides. The story of the Good Samaritan shows trust in God looks like the care we provide for our neighbor. The story of Martha and Mary teaches us our relationship with God needs time set aside for study and to listen for God's guidance, which produces trust. Last week, though, I wasn't with you preaching. But in a nutshell, I'd like to summarize what I took away from the passage you heard about on the Lord's Prayer, which teaches our God is trustworthy, so trustworthy that we can bring each and every prayer we have to God without shame. And this week, we shall see that trust in God frees us from looking for security 
and the material offerings of this world. During the, during the week, I work full-time at a hospital as a chaplain. My main unit is the ICU, but I travel throughout the hospital from the NICU and beyond to ER, and I have the ministry of meeting with people bedside and ministering to the families and loved ones that come to see them. So many people I see just desire for the presence of a caring person. For some, they just desire for someone to be there with them, present in the room. And many times, they just need the chaplain for listening as they share, without an agenda on what to say back to them, just space and time to listen. This is the ministry of a chaplain. Sadly, there have been times I've come across families that argue bedside while their loved one is dying, arguing about who they feel is entitled to what, the inheritance they feel they will or should be getting once their family member dies. One time I even had to break up a fight. I know this isn't an isolated event for deaths at the hospital. Arguing over inheritance is a common problem in today's society. So much so that there are special lawyers to handle these cases, and the courts see these types of cases quite often to the point they've figured out a way that often it's the government that ends up with a large chunk of a person's estate when the courts have to settle such affairs. Always create a will. That's my best <laughs> suggestion as a chaplain. Create a will. In today's text, we hear of a dispute over family inheritance. A man is found asking Jesus to tell his brother to give him the part of the lot of land he felt entitled to from the death of his family member. He was likely asking Jesus to do this because when disputes over inheritance came up in Jesus' time, the rabbi was the one turned to to resolve it. We don't know which brother is in the right, we don't know if the one asking Jesus to help him is getting cheated out of what he felt was his, or if he is trying to take more than what is owed to him. Clearly, the whole scenario has potential to tear a family apart. And Jesus is fully aware, which is evident when we see him put up resistance to getting involved. He instead uses the encounter to teach about the dangers of greed. Today's society gives us a heartbreaking picture, picture after picture, of the results of societal plaguing greed. Just look at the American legacy of slavery. Hundreds of years of so-called justifications even twisted so-called biblical ones for the use of enslavement of black peoples 
For what? Just what? Self-led greed? Greed for wealth? Greed, greed for adding to, accumulating, and building man-made wealth. That was the root of the problem. People turned so far away from the ways of God that they actually justified their sickened desires for building wealth, creating their own kind of barns to accumulate land, crops, money, off the backs, off the lives of human beings. This problem has not gone completely away. Today, there is still an ongoing problem of, of human trafficking throughout the world, especially in the United States, right here in San Francisco, being a major hub city for human trafficking activity, especially sex trafficking. The perversion of the man's heart to build up their earthly accumulation of wealth, where they harm human lives, human bodies to get what they want. We live in a society, especially in America, where we are cheered on to make more money, buy more stuff, and even that we deserve to. To add to that, a popular teaching very abundant in the U.S. is that of the prosperity gospel. This theology teaches that we are meant to have all we need in wealth. That's the key, in wealth. As believers, and that one should give or tithe to the church because then we get tenfold back. Even though Luke tells us in 635 to give, hoping nothing in return. Jesus illustrates this type of grief by telling a story about a man who builds a big barn for all his extra crops. Looking at the society norms of the time helps us to more clearly understand the perversions occurring throughout this story. You see, typically, in the Jewish tradition, if someone had such an abundance left of their crops, they would be discussed at the community gates with the elders about what to do with them. Further, they usually would have thanked God and celebrated by throwing a party to share with others. So the problem wasn't in the man having extra it was that he took his extra and made it all about him. Throughout his experience, each and every question he asked was to himself and for himself and for his own benefit. He gave no thanks to God, and he did not include his community in finding ways that his abundance could be of benefit to them. In fact, his sole focus went completely inward turn, a very Lutheran term. How can I hoard all this extra stuff for myself? His heart was centered in greed. He did not look to God as the source of stability. He did not ponder how to love God and his neighbor. He jumped right forward and he only concentrated on self-centered motives. Me, 
me, me. Now, this story is not meant to be one of shame for wanting nice things or wanting to have a savings account. If it were to shame, I myself would certainly not be the one to do so because I've still got so much of my own stuff to figure out. I'm still growing with God. This story is meant not to shame anyone. Remember that just recently God instructed to come without shame, with all your needs in prayer. This story is meant to teach us to pay attention to where our heart is. Is it laid up in our possessions, pursuit of wealth, our fear of not enough rather than looking to God for our provision? Is our heart solely reliant on ourselves to fulfill all our needs rather than putting our full heart into the embrace of God to care for, protect, and provide for all our physical and spiritual needs entirely? We are not meant to keep our minds focused on man-made securities, but rather on God's securities. Rather, to put our trust in God for security and in turn let that security lead us to care for others out of the abundance we then find God has provided. Does God desire for each person to be fed? to be cared for? Most definitely. Does God want our hearts to be focused solely on that purpose? No. We see this as we read further in Luke 12, 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The beauty of our faith is this. A welcoming for all at the table a proclamation of life and life abundantly for all people, a life of abundance and grace set free to love God and love everyone around us. For the goodness of all the world, a welcoming to bring the kingdom of God here and now the security knowing that no matter what, you, you have a God that claims you, leads you, and never gives up on you, which in turn frees you to go and do likewise for your neighbor. Hearing so proclaim, I'd like to close by reading another translation of this passage. This one is from the First Nations Version an indigenous translation of the New Testament. After I read it, I'll give a moment to pause and let what we've discussed around the passage this morning with this new translation sit in. Then I encourage you to find one thing you'll take away with you to hold on to, to think about, and I encourage you to commit I'm pondering with God about that one thing with God this week 
and trust. So I just ask that my music leader would just give us a few moments after the reading before we go transition into our song. Hear the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, 13 through 21, one more time. The First Nations Version. Someone from the crowd pushed forward and said to him, Wisdom keeper, tell my brother to give me my part of what our father left to us. Creator sets free, Jesus said to him, Who made me the one to decide this between you and your brother? Watch your step, or greed will make you stumble. Remember, one's life is not made up of many possessions. There were many people in the crowd who heard what he said about possessions. So he told this story to help them see more clearly. A man with many possessions had a field that was growing a great harvest of food. What will I do with all of this food, he said to himself. I have no room in my storage barns for this great harvest. The man thought about it and then said to himself again, I know what I will do. I will tear down my old storage barns and build larger ones. I will have enough to last me many winters. Then I will take my rest, eat, drink, and celebrate. But the great spirit said to him, Why are you being so foolish? This is the day you will cross over to death and give an answer for your life. Now who will get the goods you have stored up for yourself? Creator sets free Jesus. Let the people think about the story. And then he said, This is how it will be for the ones who make themselves rich, but forget about Creator's true riches. Amen. 